0: This is the On Blast podcast. As always, my name is sean Alexander. We're back to do this again—a little NFL picks edition of the On Blast podcast—and I'm back with the Week One picks. And of course, there's only one man that I could really do this with. I couldn't really say that I was doing a picks pod for the NFL, not have my guy, Mister Matt Russell, joining me on the show. My dude, how you doing, man? How you feeling?
1: Man, we are on NFL, depending on when you're listening to this, we are on NFL season's eve here. You know, we everybody does the like, oh, Christmas Eve, and oh, it's just like that. I, honestly, like, I wish I could disagree. I'm really excited, man. I've said goodbye to my family for six months. Like, we had a good run. Took the, uh, took the uh, wife-to-be to a Pearl Jam concert last night and rocked it out. Honestly, once uh, midnight hit, it was... Okay, well, uh, I'll see you, you know, sometime around February, and uh, we'll get married a couple months after that. But uh, yeah, man, fired up to be here. You know, uh, we weren't sure necessarily we were going to get this thing back on the uh, back on the air, but uh, I'm excited to talk a little NFL football with you this season.
0: Hold on, as long as there's an NFL season, the people are going to want their picks, and we are going to deliver them their picks. And for people who have been along with us in different iterations of what we do here, welcome. Welcome back. For people who might be brand new, just a little heads up of what we do here. I'll come in. I'll tell you the line. I'll give you you know, my thoughts, which is normally the Joe Public take of where I, what I think is going to happen or what I think should happen, where I'm leaning. And then my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, comes in and gives us the information and what I like to call the education on where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going, helping me to come out on the other end with a good pick. I foolishly Try to pick every single NFL game for the entire season with the goal of just trying to stay above water, be above 500. And of course, I'm trying to help the people here. You need an angle. You need a side. We're trying to give you something for each and every game. That's the goal, right? That's what we tried to do here. Lots of fun. We're lots trying of to win some on. money,
1: man. Like I, You know, you're listen. the crazy guy who, you know, 284 games or whatever it is. Let's pick all <laughs> of the games. Let's get all the action. It's like, you know, what? we're probably going to end up with some kind of a bet on well, every single game one way or another. If you read mm-hmm. my stuff or you have to listen to this podcast. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to. We're going to try to guide you away from some of the, you know, turn some of the losers into the winners or at least have more losers turn into winners than winners turn into losers. But above all, we're going to try to be responsible about our betting. And that's going to lead to, honestly, profitability. Like those two things come in hand in hand. And that's what I think some people who are new to the space don't necessarily understand. Right. And like, yes, we're trying to have fun. And nobody believes in betting as fun more than I do. But we can also be responsible about it. And sometimes that means not making a bet, or sometimes that means going a different route than uh, maybe you were otherwise thinking. But, uh, you know, we'll yeah. see how it goes this season. The last few seasons have gone pretty well here between uh, our little conglomerate podcast here.
0: Exactly. And of course, Matt comes from the score. He's a writer on the score. So make sure you follow him there for all the whole grain goodness to cash some checks each and every week. What I'm trying to do is just give you a lean on every single game so that if you so choose, if you want to ride with your squad on Sunday. I'm gonna let you know whether you should pause or if I'm all in on that, I'll try to give you levels and you'll, you'll learn the language to know like how much I'm feeling a bet as opposed (laughs) to, uh, you know, so we'll get right there and there's a great game to start as there always is on Thursday nights. We got the bills, at the Rams to kick off the NFL season bills are favored by two and a half points. And we've heard so much about the Buffalo bills. You would swear that they won the championship last year, The all the hype about the Buffalo bills, what they're going to do this year, how great they are. It's like, Oh yeah, they're playing against the Rams who, you know, did actually win the Super Bowl last year and are pretty good, but you wouldn't know it just from the hype coming into this game. And I understand that there's a Super Bowl hangover that people like to talk about each and every year. I get that. I understand that. With that said, give me the Rams plus two and a half points. That's the side I'm going to be on in this game. We'll we'll get into this more as the season goes along, as people will will understand our our language of the difference between the two and a half point spread to the three point spread to the three and a half point spread. So I know with it being under two and a half or under three, I get it. I understand it, but I just feel like the Rams are just getting not enough love here. So give me the Rams plus two and a half points. Mr. Russell, are you with me?
1: Uh, I'm not necessarily with you. I'm not necessarily against you either. If this thing does go to three, like that's what we're sitting around waiting for. Right. And so just to sort of give people, you know, first episode of the new season, the new pod, so to speak, give them sort of a background on kind of like how I go about doing things. Right. Um, You know, we can talk about like line moves that have happened over the last like days or Mm -hmm. months, because that's the difference between week one and week two. But the reality is a line for week eight, a line for week 10, like that has existed. That's mm-hmm. existed on certain websites that have basically the entire season already lined for minimal, um, <laughs> y- y- you know, wagers that can be taken. You know, it's not a, not a gigantic limit on a, on a week 10 game between the uh, Broncos and, you know, the Chargers or whatever. But these things have all existed because there is a rating within the odds makers for each team. Right. And so the rating for the Rams and the Bills three months ago came out to about a Rams minus a half a point, essentially a pick em, right with the idea, OK, the Rams won the Super Bowl and everybody talks, you know, Super Bowl hangover or whatever. The reality is with the Super Bowl hangover is so much goes into winning a Super Bowl from a roster construction and kind of like be willing to kick the uh, salary cap can down the street a little bit. And just kind of go, quote unquote, all in, right? When the Rams go all in, it doesn't mean they have to disband the franchise the next year. It just means the Vaughn Millers, the Odell Beckhams, like they have to leave. And so they are left with the three or four stars that they've been building this team around over the course of the last couple of years. And so people look at that and they go, okay, you know, you're missing this player. You're missing that player from that championship run. So you have to take a step back. You know, they look at the Bills and they go, man, if you just had, what, 16 seconds, something long? I've already forgotten the number. I'm sure any Bills fan out there is yelling at his <laughs> at his screen. It was like, 13 seconds. You know, like they were that close to hosting the AFC Championship game, being a significant favorite against the Bengals, and then meeting the Rams in the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, there's been, you know, eight months have gone by here. But this is kind of like what the, you know, the, how the Super Bowl could have and maybe in some cases should have been from a matchup standpoint of course a lot has gone by a lot of time has gone by and the line has moved because people look at the bills and you mentioned sort of the fervor the hype around the bills specifically people are looking for this team to win the super bowl this year like this is their turn if you will right and maybe it should have been last year they're looking for this team to uh be that team and so how i go about doing things is i I look at these teams uh, on a rating scale of zero to 100, right? I do that for a couple of different reasons. One, it's easy easy to communicate, right? As somebody who is a content producer and, and a communicator of sports betting and sports betting theory and handicapping theory, like it's easy for me to say to you, Shell, like I got the bills rated, at about a blah, 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 out of 100, right? So in the case of the Bills, really good team, 75, something along those lines, right? Mm -hmm. We don't often see teams crack the 80 out of 100. Like that's for sort of historically great teams, the Patriots of 07, even the Broncos, when Peyton Manning was slinging it around for 50 million touchdowns per season. (laughs) And then very rarely on the other end does a team dip below 20, right? So we're pretty much looking at a worst team in the league as a 20 and the best team in the league is 80. In week one, we don't necessarily know who the best team in the league is, right? Like right now, we're all, we've are all we all made this assumption about the Bills. And mm-hmm. the problem right now for the Bills is they have to play to that assumption. So after this line moves to two and a half, we look at that and we go, okay, well, what happened here between the Bills and the Rams? Did the mm-hmm. Rams really drop, you know, that precipitously in a rating? Because right now, a two and a half point, let's break it down right now. A two and a half point spread here for the uh, Bills with the Rams... I'm only, only giving the Rams one point of home field advantage, right? Okay. LA home, point, home field advantage, it's even less for when the Chargers play. But for the Rams, <laughs> I'm only giving them one point of home field advantage. And so to get to the Bills being three and a half points better on a quote-unquote neutral or two and a half in LA, we need a discrepancy of something along the lines of Bills at a 77 out of 100 and the Rams down at 60 out of 100. Yeah. So just from a valuation standpoint, you go, okay, like, let's say the Bills are that 77. One, we're making assumptions based on absolutely no football being played this season. And we're setting the bar really, really high for the Bills. Yeah. And as far as the Rams are concerned, like, at a 60, like, that's kind of a low valuation on the Rams. Like, there is plenty of room for the Rams to exceed that 60 out of 100 rating. And so from a value standpoint, I just look at it and I go like, okay, we were putting their bills way up here. They need to stay way up here, you know, and and actually surpass that. And, the rams have to be i'm going to use the phrase as bad but you know mm. as bad as a 60 out of 100 now a 60 out of 100 team is still a playoff team it's probably something around a wild card team to be completely honest with you it's around where i had the bengal's rated last year <laughs> going into the playoffs you know they obviously yeah. had a magical run to get to the super bowl and whatnot but like a 60 is a still really good team but there is room above that for the rams so from a betting standpoint one of the other, one of the many tenants uh, that you and I have been going over for years is, as soon as you see that two and a half, man, especially when it's a home team, that's an immediate tease up to eight and a half for me. A six point teaser leg from two and a half to eight and a half is one of the few valuable teaser legs that you are going to see. Now again, we wish the total was a little bit lower and points were a little more hard to come by and a little bit more valuable. That always helps when it comes to the plus eight and a half teaser leg. But in this case, like you're getting plus eight and a half to start your to start your week unless this number goes to three. And when or if it does, it's going to last about five seconds because there are people just sitting there waiting for a sportsbook to move this line to three. I can't imagine they're just going to move it to three and keep it at three. Like this game isn't going to close three, but it might touch three I realize that's difficult to just sort of sit, be sitting there waiting on your app for something that might not actually come. So when it comes down <laughs> to a plus two and a half to plus eight and a half is a teaser leg for me. If I had to take a total, uh, if I had to t- bet the total, I would go over 52. I think there's some very good chances both these defenses aren't necessarily all that they're cracked up to be. I will say this about the bills because the rating is so high. And that's the important part here, because if I'm going to spend the entire season, quote unquote, slandering the bills or telling you why the bills aren't as good as people say they are, you need to know where the, where the rating is. You need to know that they are being considered close to an 80 right now. And that's just too high for a team that honestly, last season, there's a ton of metrics and a ton of matchup stuff where you can go up and down the schedule too. And just be like, man, they had maybe two tough games or against really good offenses and it didn't go great right it didn't go great against the Carson Wentz Colts from a defensive <laughs> standpoint it's it true. went very badly against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right and you go up and down that up and down the list you know okay there's not a ton else right they got beat up pretty good by the Titans offense early mm-hmm. on in the season and so the mm-hmm. schedule might have created a lot of sort of artificial value or artificial you know perception if you will of just how like unbeatable the bills might be i don't see it that way i mean it'd be a very good team i took them in an under 10 and a half alt win total they could go 10 and 7 have a pretty good year even make the playoffs and that's a two to one bet that's a plus 200 bet on an alt win total like that's a pretty good payout for a team that could still have a very successful season in a on a with a schedule that is a lot harder than it was last year
0: yeah i find it super interesting just thinking about where the buffalo bills are in our perception but also this game as the first game we're going to talk about the game to kick off the season also kicks off a very interesting theme that we will see if it will continue i'm interested to get your take on the home underdogs especially early in the season we will continue that conversation right away actually as we move on to our next game which is the green bay packers as one and a half point favorites at the Minnesota Vikings. And I know the Vikings got a new coach. I know I feel like every year for the last few years, we've been on the train of this is the year the Vikings can dethrone Aaron Rodgers in the Packers. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm here saying it again. I believe this is a year, right? That yeah. the Vikings kid to throw in the Packers, and I think it starts right here. Like if that's going to happen, they have to win these games, especially the home game. And we mm-hmm. know the Vikings have a very good home field advantage, and I just like that. I'm I'm relying on that in this weird line of minus one and a half. That's sort of strange. So if I think it's going to be a close game, sure, just give me the Vikings outright. If you want to go money line and get spicy, cool, more power to you. I mean, it's one and a half points, but if you're going to give me any points and I Mm -hmm. think they're just going to win, let's roll. Give me the Vikings. What's saving ice Russell? I think if you're
1: you're getting a plus one ten on the money line, right? Like I started sort of ten percent return uh, over your over your wager. I think that's the way you play it with the, with regards to the Vikings. Obviously at a plus one and a half, interesting to potentially tease that up over seven and a half. Key numbers have changed over the course of the last couple of years with two point mm-hmm. conversions and guys whiling out on those on those decision makings uh, <laughs> at the end of games. And also just uh, kickers
0: being. Not good.
1: Yeah, and obviously, yeah, the extra point element, and know, has changed things as well, right? Seven and and three, but certainly seven isn't nearly as key as it used to be. And so, you know, when this was, and and if it goes back to a two and a half, which I don't really see happening, because there has been this swell for the Vikings, then we would be looking at another teaser leg, right? A plus two and a half up over eight and a half. That's absolutely something that we would do. But I'm with you, man. And again, like it's it's unnerving because you know you and I, we both consume content as well as produce it, like the groundswell over the course of this, of the off season. That's what's so tricky about week one, because if I never listened to anybody say anything, like I would have, I would be on the Vikings because, and this is where I go hand up my bad. Like, Last year, I thought Mike Zimmer had a chance to win Coach of the Year before the season started because I'm like, there's too much talent on this team. You know, Justin Jefferson was going into his second year and was obviously ended up being awesome. And you Mm -hmm. think about, like, the jump that the offense took once Justin Jefferson joined that team. And then you go, okay, Mike Zimmer's a defensive coach. Like, he's got to have these, you know, things tightened up and yada, yada, yada. And it just never happened. And not because they got blown out every game. Because they had catastrophic, ridiculous loss every game, so I wrote about that a little bit in the last week. But there's like a laundry list, and you know I talked about it uh, all over over the course of the season last year. There's a laundry list of games, man, where it's overtime game and last play of the game against like the <laughs> Lions and Dalvin Cook fumble at Cincinnati yeah. and like Arizona at the Bell and all of these different things. You go like, and they still won like eight games. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we ended up seeing uh, Sean Mannion, uh, you know, in Green Bay in the second to last week of the season. Like, I would have liked to seen Kirk Cousins in that game just to see what, you know, might have happened. But by then it was far too late because they had lost these close games because Mike Zimmer, you know, if I said to you, Shell, at the end of the year, like, what do we need to change here from the Vikings? Mm -hmm you'd probably be like the coach, right? And it's like, they did that. And they didn't bring in some retread guy that we already know is not going to understand how fourth downs, you know, decision-making work or how challenges and timeouts work. I have to be the guy who's going, yeah, I think Kevin O'Connell probably knows how to do this. Now, maybe he doesn't know how to do it. And honestly, he's coming from like working under Sean McVay, who doesn't necessarily know how to do it either. (laughs) But he also worked, in an organization where Brandon Staley first mentioned to Brandon Staley, by the way, everybody go ahead and drink. Uh, but like he we came out even
0: of, anywhere close to that game. Yet. I know I'm
1: not even remotely close to that game, but I had to just for the old, just for is. the old heads out there. But like, uh, you know, Brandon Staley comes out and he's like, yeah, like I'm going to do it way differently than Sean McVay. So like, just because he worked under Sean McVay last year, doesn't mean like he has no clue how, you know, game management works, mm-hmm. but if you get into the cracks, right, you get into the corners and you turn things around from that standpoint, you don't have your defense playing three yards into the end zone on a last second attempt by the, by the Detroit lions. Like if you win those, a couple of extra high leverage plays, or you put your team in an opportunity to have a high leverage play and you have the talent the Vikings have like, yeah, they can flip five wins. Mm-hmm. you know not going to be easy necessarily but like it's certainly possible and yeah. so i think the team can win 13 games now the thing is unlike the bills no one's asking them win 13 games right like the bills have to mm-hmm. win 12 games to you know hit their over they have to win 12 or 13 games to win a afc east bet at minus 250 something along those lines we're getting plus 250s with the vikings here. we're getting them as home underdogs to a packers team who they might be just as good as, right? and so like everything is all about value. and so if yeah, mm-hmm. if you priced them the same way you price some of these other teams, then yeah, i wouldn't want necessarily anything to do with kind of guessing on kevin o'connell. Yeah. but like i'll guess on kevin o'connell if i'm getting decent prices to do that. and one of the prices is to actually win the nfc the conference in and of itself Mm -hmm. and you're getting like 15 to one on the Vikings. And honestly, all that's really required is that they kind of trade places with the Packers, because what you want to do is you want to be betting on a team that can win the conference in the regular season, skip the first round of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's value right there before you even get into like, is this team even any good? Think about the Titans last year. Everybody forgets, you know, like speaking of teams, you know, overhyped underhyped, this is the underhyped team. And maybe appropriately, like they did finish first over the course of the AC. And like, I don't like them necessarily this year, but I think other teams can do that. Right. We see yeah. it in the NBA where a team has a good regular season. Doesn't really matter what they do in the playoffs. If you just got a buy through the first round of the NBA playoffs, you would be, you know, you would be more valuable because you mm-hmm. didn't have a chance to lose. And so all the Vikings have to do is switch spots with the Packers who had the one seed last year in the NFC. And now easier said than done. But for the price that we're getting, I think there's better than like the 33, 30% chance that the uh, odds makers are giving them with the implied win probability here. So like, yeah, if I think it's closer to 40% or 45% that they do it, uh, win the division, that is like, yeah, that's absolutely going to be a bet for me. And honestly, because they're playing in week one, doesn't make a ton of sense not to be on the Vikings there at home to knock off the Packers and get their season started right.
0: Yeah, let's go. I'm fully all in on the Vikings in this game for sure. And I mean, hey, I, ca- I can't lie. I, as a Niners fan, and there's been a lot of playoff matchups versus the Packers, even going back to the Brett Favre days, wasn't about that Brett Favre life. Definitely not about that Aaron Rodgers life. So, any excuse? I'm with it. <laughs> uh, Let's keep things moving here, though. As we got the Steelers at the Bengals, another. Nice divisional matchup here. Um, this one's very interesting, and I'm I'm very interested to hear your take here because the Bengals are favored by six and a half points. And we talked a little bit already about key numbers. Now it's not at the seven, it's mm-hmm. just below seven at six and a half. I'm leaning Bengals, but I can be persuaded here because I'm thinking this is a game where you know everyone is down on the Steelers, and I and I get it, but the, my flip side to that is, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw more than like what five yards, <laughs> right? And I'm not yeah. saying Trubisky is is good, but yeah. there's a there's a, a very easy world in which he's just better than what Big Ben was the last two years. And if you give me someone who's a little bit better than Big Ben was the last two years, right. Yeah. The team's not that bad, and I don't think that they're six and a half point favorites. You know what? On the fly, I'm changing it. I'm on the Steelers. I'm on the Steelers. I just talked myself into the Steelers, but I'd like to hear what you say. And oh it'll be God, really graphics. funny if you come back. If you come back right now and say the Bengals, <laughs> that'll be really funny. But I'm on the Steelers. Give me the points. Change my mind.
1: Please. Oh, you sent you just sent the control room, uh, <laughs> you know, up in arms right now, having to change uh, some sort of graphic on that. Can't find um, the logo. Okay, so let's, you know, let's work backwards here, right? Obviously, Bengals, Super Bowl team, you know, uh, you know, is the expectation that they're going to return or be sort of one of the top teams, you know, even though you make the Super Bowl, it's still it's still the Bengals, like, it's like, oh, like, what did we have to do? We had the lead in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, and we're still not getting any regard now, but they are getting some regard here with this spread. And so like, you know, week one. I'm not going to I'm not going to put it on you to try to guess, you know, OK, what do you think this team's rating is or blah, blah, blah. blah. But right now, the suggestion right here is that the Bengals are about a 63. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we talked about last year going into the playoffs. They're kind of around 60. So I'm actually like bumping them up here. <laughs> and if yeah. they're a 63, mm-hmm. that means the Steelers are a 44 right and if you look at like the win total and that sort of thing yeah like they're hovering around 50 you know 500 if you will Mm -hmm. but like a 44 obviously suggests a worse than average team Mm -hmm. but there is something obviously about the Steelers right and it's like they know how to win in the cracks and it's not that Trubisky is better than Rossberger or this time or whatever it's that he does more stuff right like the, the the mobility for Trubisky and the um taking what the defense will give you element with Trubisky and like, yeah, he can air it out every once in a while. Right. Cause again, he's got a stronger arm than Roethlisberger at this point in time, but like not forcing the things the way that Roethlisberger would force things, not realizing that physically he wasn't the same as he had been, you know, obviously when he was a younger man, much like the rest of us, by the way, right? (laughs) And so if Trubisky comes in and, you know, part of the thing is like, this isn't just a guy who didn't have any competition in camp. Now, again, Mason Rudolph's not exactly the most exciting uh, prospect of all time, but Kenny Pickett looked pretty good in the preseason Mm -hmm. and is a first, you know, draft pick by the Steelers. And so it's like, they would love it If Trubit and Love, it's probably a stretch, but like they wouldn't mind (laughs) it if Trubisky wasn't good enough to get the starting job, and that they could just let Pickett go and like see what they had. But like Trubisky legitimately won that job, and he just played under Brian Dable behind Josh Allen for a year in Buffalo. And by the way, when he was in Chicago, there's a couple of playoff appearances, right? And it was not like he was the reason for those playoff appearances largely a team effort and defense and all of that sort of thing. Well, guess who's got a really good defense, right? Defensive player of the year, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers. And so like this can work for Trubisky and the Steelers. And, you know, a lot of people referenced last year when they went into Buffalo one outright, Uh, being about a six and a half point underdog here. So again, not necessarily out of the question. It is interesting that this line, we're starting to see this week a bunch of lines move, even though everybody's had all this time over the course of the summer to make these bets. And we've had two weeks since the end of the preseason, and honestly, nothing's really happened in the last two weeks to change anything for anybody. But we are seeing lines move. This one's not moving an Mm -hmm. inch, right? This has stayed at six and a half. You are not, and again, Maybe as soon as you listen to this, you flip over to your sportsbook and this has gone up to seven. I'll say this. I can't imagine this going to seven. Like, you're not giving the Steelers a flat seven. There's probably a better chance this sort of closes at six. Five and a half would be a bit of a stretch. So I think you're you're certainly on to something here with the Steelers plus six and a half. Obviously, I would say wait and see. Maybe it does go to seven. Maybe I'm wrong but I really don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm high on this on this Bengals team, but I'm also maybe a little bit higher on the Steelers than the market is. So maybe this ends up being instead of 63 out of 100 for the Bengals and 44 out of 100 for the Steelers, maybe the Steelers are a 50, and maybe the Bengals are a 68, 69, 70 type of team this year because they addressed the offensive line that was like the one major bugaboo for them uh, last season. You know, maybe both these teams are just better than we even are are ready to give them credit for. But I think there's a little bit too much of a disparity right now in the ratings uh, to make this sort of, uh, you know, a, a line as high as it is.
0: And you know, what's super interesting to me about this as well is I'm trying to remember, I feel like it always takes me until about week three, maybe two on a good year where I remember all of the principles. That you know, are like the gambling. What, what sure. did Simmons use the manifesto, so to speak? You know, right. like, wait a second, divisional matchup. And even if I do think that the Bengals are the same high flying team from last year and they're going right back to the Super Bowl and all that, cool, this is still a divisional game against the Steelers, yeah. right? So, like, all of those yeah. little things that I need to remind myself of, very interesting. But everything you just said, I'm on the Steelers plus six and a half, um, and another divisional game coming up. Again, right. It's, you know, we're talking the same thing. Same principles are coming up here divisional matchup. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at another team that are home underdogs. And that is the Eagles are on the road as four point favorites against the Lions. A lot of love for the Eagles this season. A lot of love. And I didn't watch Hard Knocks. So I'm not following, like, there was no, you know, falling for the Hard Knocks
1: love affair
0: or whatever. But we did talk last year a lot about our guy, man Campbell and just his motivational tactics. And he's just a football guy and all that other fun stuff. And the rah, rah, rah. Really? The, the reason I'm looking here at this game is again, what I've talked about early in the season home dogs and also the four point spread is really weird to me and you're Mm -hmm. over a field goal. So I'm going to, Automatically lean to taking the dogs, anyways. Mm-hmm. But I really like this. And I think people have had a lot of time to talk themselves into the Eagles. Everyone's done their fantasy draft and they've taken hurts way higher than they probably should. All that fun stuff. Yeah. Either way, give me the Lions plus four. That's where I'm at.
1: So some things you need to do when you're, you know, again, week one, you're talking about the principles and, you know, one of these days we should actually write these down in some sort of list form. But one mm-hmm. of them is understanding your own biases. And one mm-hmm. of my biases is like, I love a mobile quarterback. I think it's okay. an absolute dagger in your, in your throat to give up a, a scramble third and six, right? Shouts the tray. And, and so I'm Jaylen, we're getting there. <laughs> and so Jalen, yeah. And, you know, I'm not the only one, right? I know. I know. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get there. Um, we'll get so anyway, there. We'll get there. So, I mean, I, I like Jalen Hurts more than most people do, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, all the hand-wringing about Jalen Hurts. And, like, you look at this Eagles roster and it's loaded. But everybody just comes back to, like, Jalen Hurts and whatever. And, like, I want to see guys improve. And all I've ever seen out of Jalen Hurts is improvement year to year, to year to year, right? This is a guy who, you know, improved from his Alabama days to his Oklahoma days. He improved on his draft stock, you know, going not in the first round to like being a starting quarterback in the NFL that like at least somebody is willing to uh, you know give the keys to the car to, if you will, right? but it's the classic situation of team with a rookie quarterback or sort of on a rookie deal and a, on a you know whatever it's called the the entry level deal being able to spend money elsewhere and especially mm-hmm. when you're not even paying first round money to a Jalen Hurts and yeah. like that's the plan teams only ever win when a guy is on their rookie deal or if they're an absolute legend, right? Like it's a very few and far between, right? Winning, winning the Super Bowl. Now I'm not saying the Eagles are win the Super Bowl here, but like it is hard to ignore a pretty loaded roster around Jalen Hurts. And one of my biggest complaints last year about the Eagles was the wide receiving core. I watched that game against Tampa, and like, yeah, it wasn't great for Hurts, but it also wasn't any good for their wide receiving core, and. What do they do, right? Like the Bengals, they go, like, what? You know, we had a good season, but what's our flaw? Bengals offensive line, boom, total overhaul of that offensive line. Wide receiver, wide receiving core for the Eagles, boom, A.J. Brown, right? Out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. basically, what, on draft day or a day before the draft, that draft week. And so I get why the Eagles are hyped. There's more legitimacy to it, to me, than the Lions being hyped. Now, I like the Lions as, from a concept of, you know, big underdog. The thing that no one really talks about with Lions is the offensive line being healthy and together, which they didn't have last year. And so Dan Campbell can just run, run, run all he wants and keep the ball out of Jared Goff's hands unless, you know, it's an, an advantageous play action type situation because he has all of those guys up front. And like that's where the Lions have been building. Now, the Lions are not done building. The defense is going to be atrocious again. The (laughs) secondary is just completely nameless. But they've gone, and they're like, you know what? We just drafted a bunch of offensive linemen. Okay, let's go to the defensive line. Boom, they get Aiden Hutchinson to fall into their lap. But there's only so much that guy can do, right? And so eventually, they're going to get rid of Jared Goff, and they're going to get that first round draft pick quarterback and they're going to have him for four years on a rookie deal. And they're going to be able to surround him and a mature offensive line and a mature defense with veterans and all of that sort of thing. So like it's looking up for the lions, but right now it is Mm -hmm. kind of all hype when there isn't the talent to back it up. Whereas the Eagles have the hype that has the, you know, it's, it's, it stems from something. It stems from the guys that are on that team, the draft that they had with a couple of first round picks. And so I just look at this and I go, I think this is just Eagles the whole way with the Lions, like four points, like it's a lot sometimes, and it's not that much other times. Mm -hmm. This one feels where it's not that much. Now, from a rating standpoint, it makes a little bit more sense that this line is where it is, right? This sort of makes the Eagles about a 60 which I think is a pretty high end. You know, we talked about playoff team being sort of hovering around 60 and a playoff team that's improved themselves should be, you know, I don't want to say bare minimum, but like 60 Mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense for them. And with the Lions being at home, I have them a a 1.5 home field advantage. You know, by the way, if you ever hear anybody say anything about three points for home field advantage, stop what you're doing, delete (laughs) that podcast, unsubscribe. The reality is these days, 1.7 is sort of average when it comes to home field advantage. So 1.5 for the Lions is slightly below, uh, you know, what an average home field advantage should be. And the Lions are a 34. That's what makes this line make sense. You know, you always say, like, make this make sense. This is Eagles 60, Lions 34. Now, if we've watched Hard Knocks and we're excited about the trenches that that the Lions have built, then you can make the case that the Lions are maybe higher than a 34 but we don't know it yet. Okay. Right? We at okay. least know the Eagles were a playoff team and that we can sell ourselves on them being a 60, you know, high 50s type of team. Right now the sales job for the Lions being a 30, anything better than a 35, like that's kind of smoke and mirrors, that's kind of Dan Campbell hype at this point. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I think this is one we we rarely do the road favorites Okay, but honestly, the Eagles walked into Detroit last year and absolutely annihilated. I think it was like forty-one ten or something along those lines. I, you know, I don't think they do that necessarily, but like I think this is a pretty fair bet here on the Eagles minus four.
0: I'm doing this live. We are Switching. having our first moment here on this year's pod where I can say that I have been convinced <laughs> you changed the pick <laughs> from yeah. the Lions to. The Eagles Control. have been convinced by Mr. Matt Russell. Control that he run, has been scrambling, changed, again. Control scrambling again, scrambling to change the pick.
1: Yeah, it's on fire.
0: I mean, this comes down to one of my other favorite things that I just had a flashback to. Mm-hmm. Those moments of when you're sitting there on Sunday and you're just thinking, "Did I really get this wrong? Because I bet on the Lions." Like, if I bet on the Eagles and they mess up, okay, cool, Mm -hmm. whatever, they had a bad game, whatever, right? right? It's almost like that's on them. But if I'm sitting here and I'm like, I was on the Eagle or I'm on the Lions, go Lions, blah, 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 and you're sitting there, you know that moment, you're sitting there on Sunday, like, I had it, oh, my friend and yours, Carson Wentz, right? Like, did (laughs) I really, like, I really sat here riding with Carson Wentz again? You know I loved to do that last year.
1: This is like you've been this is like he channeled you because what I was just going to say is there's going to be tons of opportunities to bet on the Lions this year. And all it's going to take is one big loss in week one to start getting value back on the Lions. Mm -hmm. And guess who they host in week two? (laughs) Your man, Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. And I would tell you right now like that line based on these ratings that have been Mm -hmm. called from the current point spreads. These aren't even my own opinion ratings. I'm literally taking them from where the point spreads are this week. That would be a pick'em game next week between the commanders and the lions. And that's a scenario where I could see the lions winning a football game. And by the way, based on what happens this week in week one, we might be even getting some points with the lions at home against see the where your head's team. at. I see where your head's
0: at. Always working towards a feature. I like it. I like it. I like you it. You got it. Pal. Um, let's keep things moving. Here's a big time game is at least headline wise, as we got the Browns at the Panthers. Now it's not as big of a game as, I mean, it might've been if someone else who I will, not name at this moment, but we know who we're talking about was taking part in said festivities. But that person is not around for obvious reasons. Uh, Browns at Panthers. This is about Baker, right? Yeah. Baker has been talking his talk. And I, I get it. I'd be very salty too, right? If I was in the situation that Baker Mayfield was. Yeah. I got to be honest. This is going to sound silly. I say a lot of ridiculous things on these pods that we do in which I know you look at me and you're like, Bro, that has nothing. There's no stat behind that. There's no anything. I just want to live in a world in which I cannot see the football gods allowing the Cleveland Browns to win this game against Baker Mayfield. I would just like to have some belief in the football gods, that they will let the Panthers and Baker Mayfield just get this dub, just just ball out and get this dub. And you're telling me it's one and a half points. Like Baker has to be up yeah. at night just like dreaming and like doing extra push-ups and doing extra workouts and doing whatever else Baker needs to do to wake up feeling dangerous. Yeah, all that other fun stuff. And on the flip side, shouts to Jacoby Brissett, by the way. Hey. <laughs> the right. but I'm gonna take the Panthers here. Buy the minus one and a half and just say like, if you got to show out for one game, Baker Mayfield, this Mm -hmm. has to be it. That's, and I know that's not, you know, some, that's not some like gambling stat or anything to, to back that up. No, this is why I'm here. <laughs> but, you,
1: but it's based, but it's based on a concept that you and I have been talking about for years, right? It's chip on his shoulder, Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Like it's this weird back and forth universe. It's why Baker Mayfield's so frustrating. If he'd yeah. just stunk all of the time, we wouldn't be having these conversations about May- Baker Mayfield, right? He wouldn't have gone first overall in the NFL draft when he came out of Oklahoma he wouldn't be on the Panthers he wouldn't have beaten out Sam Darnold he wouldn't we wouldn't never have to hear about him problem is he is good sometimes and it just happens to frequently correlate with when people are kind of talking bleep about Baker Mayfield right and then we give him a bunch of credit for these wins and the, and, the, and really good play. And then the very next week, he looks atrocious, right? <laughs> and we got like, oh, this Baker Mayfield, he's infuriating. Like, what are we doing? Like, they'll go home, you know, and they'll lose to like some team that they had no business necessarily losing to because he throws four interceptions. And then the cycle starts back over again, right? And it's why Cleveland has basically been around a 500 team for the last few years. Like, yes, they made the playoffs, but, you know, like wild card team. And then he gets injured last year and like, it's, you have to feel bad for him. Right. And part of what I sort of do as a human being is I go like, well, what if it were me? What if it were me who was like strapped in with a sore shoulder and just like thrown out there to play an NFL season because like, we didn't really want to invest in you any further. And like, we didn't really have anything else to do other than kind of just throw you out there. I'd be pretty bitter about that too. Now, the problem is the Browns are a decidedly better football team outside of the quarterback position than the Carolina Panthers, right? The other problem is we don't know what to rate the Browns at this point. You can't even use their win total. At this point, because they are going 11 games without the aforementioned, unmentioned quarterback. <laughs> and like, even the win total doesn't make sense because their win probability for the first 11 games is decidedly different than their win probability for the last, what, six games, right? And so, like, the math will make your head hurt. And I wrote over the course of this offseason, you know, I did uh, 32 team previews, sort of just a reminder on like, OK, who's on what team? Like, what is the expectation for this team? Who could uh, be a candidate for what award, et cetera, et cetera? And like we couldn't even really do the Browns. And so we wait until the 32nd. You know, I was already done. They were the 32nd <laughs> team. And I just like, all right, let's just do the math here on what that guy means to the point spread versus his replacement and this line was five and a half road favorites for the Browns mm-hmm. when that guy was the quarterback or was supposed to be the quarterback right and mm-hmm. then it drops when we think it's going to be Mayfield on the Browns side of things and then it moves even further when it's Jacoby Brissett and then also you have to factor in the upgrade from Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield so all of that is to say like my head hurts at the end of the day and right now based on this point spread again one and a half there was some two and a half but at one and a half this implies okay let's try to make a rating on the panthers for example like i don't think we can make a rating on the panthers given the fact that their win total is five and a half six (laughs) like something along those lines we can't make them a 50 out of 100 they're not an average team if they were everybody would be obliterating the over on the Panthers. Now, maybe they end up being a pretty good team. Maybe they end up getting that seventh wild card spot. Who knows what might happen in the NFC South? Blah, 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 blah. Point is, like right now, they can't be a 50. So let's call them like a 44, right? Let's give them mm-hmm. a ton of credit, by the way, in calling them a 44, because honestly, again, their win total suggests something like a 37. But we're going to give them some credit because McCaffrey's back and Mayfield and all of this stuff. Well, what does that mean the browns are if they're minus you know if the panthers are minus one and a half here yeah doesn't really you know not really great <laughs> you know for the browns we're talking something in the 30s mm-hmm. now just because they don't have that guy as the quarterback and they have a guy a veteran you know sometimes it looks okay a lot of times it doesn't <laughs> like where were the browns going to be if that guy was the quarterback for these games Well, they were rated up there with the Ravens and the Bengals, right? Like those three teams were co-favorites, essentially, in the AFC North back before we realized this guy was getting suspended, you know, in the way that he was. And so if the Browns are the Bengals, just instead of Joe Burrow, they've got Jacoby Brissett. Like, are we knocking them down from, what did we call the Bengals? A 63? Are we knocking them down from a 63 all the way down to, like, a 30? Like, (laughs) man, like, that seems really, 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 really low, right? So, like, that's the tricky thing for me. All of this is to say, like, I don't have anything that I necessarily love here because we have the Baker Mayfield chip on the shoulder premise, but against a team that, like, would you be stunned if that defense didn't allow Baker Mayfield to do anything? Mm-hmm. And then it's just all hopefully Christian McCaffrey if you're a Panthers fan. Like, this is a rough one. You know, you take it as far as you're willing to go with it. I liked it better when it was two and a half, and we could yeah. go up to eight and a half as the sort of second or third leg on a eight, on a six-point teaser. So, you know, we saw this get as high as two and a half with the Panthers. I don't know if that ship is necessarily sailed. We'll see come game day whether this goes up to two, two and a half If it does, if people are looking to pile in here on the Panthers, I'll take the Browns. I don't think it's getting a three here. If it did, I would absolutely take the Browns on a flat three, but I would love a plus eight and a half teaser leg here with the Browns.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, The Browns are a very interesting team, and they will be for the whole season trying to rate them and see what's going on with our guy, Jacoby Brissett. Um, Another team I'm super interested in seeing how they do this season as there are some changes are the Kansas City Chiefs. And we, a theme that we would always talk about would be the chiefs tax. Mm -hmm. And I find it very interesting to see how, you know, that trend will continue or discontinue heading into this season without Tyreek Hill in attendance, (laughs) right? Right. So we get this week one line of the chiefs on the road against the cards and the chiefs are favored by six and a half points. That's less than a touchdown. And I, I, my early lean is to take the chiefs. But then I, I pause myself because I'm like, this is what I always do with the Chiefs, right? <laughs> it's less than a touchdown. And of course, the Chiefs by less than a touchdown, got to take that. I just think I'm going to get fooled by it at least for one week before I adjust to what I normally should be doing with the Chiefs. That makes sense. The drama, I'm adding in the drama of the whole Kyler Murray contract and you need to do your homework stuff and all that jazz and Kingsbury's probably you know, running on his, on fumes in there. And sure. I don't know how that's going to go, but also I feel like Casey will want to come out and show and prove like, no, we're, we're good without Tyreek. We'll, we'll be okay. So if I'm fooled, if I'm fooled on Sunday watching this game and the chiefs don't cover this spread, I'm going to be okay with that, but I will rely on the chiefs here. I will rely on Patrick Mahomes and give me the chiefs in the minus six and a half points.
1: All right. So if I was your advisor, your sports betting NFL advisor, which some may Wait, say Hold on. Yeah. I was going to say, hold on. <laughs> some, Wait, what?
0: <laughs> Isn't maybe, that the name of the pod? What's going on? The
1: last two seasons would say, that's exactly what you are, sir. Uh, <laughs> I would jump in front of this bet so oh. fast and so aggressively. <laughs> But not for the reasons that like you might think because listen, it's a point spread bet by sort of definition. It's a Mm 50-50 chance of winning like we are out Mm -hmm. here sort of fundamentally flipping coins. But the reality is we've had three months here. You could have bet on the Chiefs minus three. You could have bet last week Ah. on the Chiefs minus three and a half. There was even some four. And somehow, some way we got off the rails. Now... Maybe there's some sort of Kyler Murray news that's like pending here. And we're Mm -hmm. already into flashbacks of last season where like a line would move and you'd be like, okay, who does that? What is that? Who's going to be out? You know what I mean? Like, what are we waiting? Okay. Who's who's got, you know, this, that or whatever. I, you know, that's the only explanation for this line jumping from three and three and a half all summer to six and a half. So by rule, like number one tenant or at least the top three tenant (laughs) of what we do here is you cannot get the worst of this, right? We cannot allow that to happen. Again, the Chiefs may win by 100 points, right? They win win by the hook. They might, you know, win by seven or whatever, right? And this is beyond the sort of Chiefs tax element that we've talked about in recent years. We'll have to see whether Mm -hmm. that's happening or not. Mm -hmm. I'll put it this way. We're talking about a road favorite of six and a half points, right? And so let's, you know, use the Cardinals. You know, we talked about home field advantage. I got the Cardinals at a one and a half point home field advantage, right? So again, right around league average. I'm not giving them anything crazy here. You could make the case that Arizona does have maybe a little bit more of a home field advantage than that. But to get this to a six and a half point uh, road favorite here, you know, let's do the thing, right? Okay, let's start with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a team that's a little easier to rate, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I ask you to go out of 100 here, you're not going to be like 42 or yeah. like 53, right? You're going to probably be like, well, we just talked about how the Bills are being sort of considered about a 77. And, you know, so like, okay, I don't think maybe they're as good as the Bills. So like, you know, something along the lines of like 75 or 76, right? So let's just say for right now that the Chiefs are a 75. Do you know what that means? The Cardinals have to be for them to be six and a half point underdogs at home. The Cardinals who were in the playoffs last year. Now I realize that DeAndre Hopkins got hurt and things went south there, and he's obviously not starting the season with them and won't be you know ready for this game and all of that sort of thing. It means the Cardinals have to be down in that like, you know, zone where we just talked about the Browns being right in this like mm-hmm. mid-30s type of zone, like a 35 out of a hundred no one like disliked if you will from a betting standpoint the cardinals more than i did last Mm -hmm. year right and i took my victory lap when after 10 and 0 or whatever you know 10 and 1 or whatever they were i was Mm -hmm. getting all these people going like oh cardinal how do you have them so low in your ratings like because win-loss record is meaningless halfway through the season when it comes to actually rating the quality of the team and what happened, they basically lost all of their games down the stretch or certainly the high leverage ones. And so I'm right there going, yeah, don't really think that much of this Cardinals team, right? Mm-hmm. Ready to fade them. I'm sitting here with an even money Cardinals, not to make the playoffs bet. That is now something like minus minus one hundred and fifty. right? Yeah. I've been on this and I've been on it for a while, but I can't get this low. On the Cardinals, <laughs> I can't get to 34 out of 100 on a power rating scale for these okay. guys. You know what I mean? Like they're getting a, a point and only a point and a half. That's an eight-point swing here for the Chiefs. There's no way the Chiefs are eight points better than the Cardinals at uh, you know neutral in a neutral site game here. Can't can't be you know again, Can't do it yeah exactly. And if this goes to seven, like then it then it, it turns into like an auto bet. On the Cardinals, but a plus six and a half is certainly going to end up being a bet for me. Just nothing crazy, just a regular bet. But I mean, plus seven would be absolutely insane. But honestly, I didn't think we'd get to a point where plus six and a half existed. So,
0: you know. So this is so this is a few things here. One, I know the messed up bet I'm making when I'm making it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I'm, I'm acknowledging this on two things. We will discuss this next week when we discuss whatever the chiefs game is next week, but it will be the moment where I will sit here and I will say, you know what? I watched the game and I watched the Chiefs screw this up. And I'm okay with that. And I, the lesson is learned in week one and we will move on because you're right. There are multiple things aiming in the direction of chiefs being overvalued. Again, the lines moved so much And also the cards being the home underdog, which has been something that we've talked about multiple games before. Like all these things are leading me to, yes, probably should take the cards.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think, and that's why I say I'm not sure there's a chief's tax in the way that we've talked about Mm -hmm. it in years past. Because when we talk about the chief's tax, we talk about the fear that people have of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that you're afraid of when it comes to the chiefs over the last you know four years. Tyreek Hill's gone. Okay, so now the Chiefs tax would have to be literally just off of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey might exist. Right. But as we talked about, like if it exists, it's because now, you know, they're let's put it it this way. If the Cardinals aren't being rated right now as like a mid 30s team Mm -hmm. and they're being rated as like a mid 40s team. This spread then means the Chiefs are being rated like a mid 80s team, which is absolutely which is even crazier. Mm -hmm. Relatively speaking, then the Cardinals being really rated really low, if you know what I mean, right? And so that's the thing that we have to see next week when the Chiefs host the Chargers on Thursday night football. Like if that line is crazy and like out of control, beyond something that's like, you know, minus three for the Chiefs, or even minus three and a half, then we're gonna Mm -hmm. know that it's because the Chiefs are rated so highly and it's not about the Cardinals. And if it's the Chiefs rated so highly, then yeah. The tax exists. I'm a little bit higher than most on the chiefs this year, I think, or at least offensively, because I think they're going to do the spread the ball around thing and still be really dangerous, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's more about the Cardinals cannot be this bad to be rated this low. Right.
0: I got you. I got you. you. So let's keep things moving here. I'm going to be on the chiefs, but I don't really like it, but that's just where we're at at this point. Next. Let's move on to another big boy game here between the Raiders and the chargers. Chargers are at home and favored by three points. Raiders obviously adding Devontae Adams, new coach, and Josh McDaniels. You know, this game has been bet down already, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like the Chargers were bigger favorites. It was at least a three and a half already, yeah. right, if I'm not mistaken. yeah, exactly. Um, so this game's been bet down already. So I don't like taking the Raiders because I've already missed at least a half a point here. Okay. But I still like the fact that the Raiders, I, I just think that they will be a better team this year than, you know, the, the, the things that we've seen from the past, if, if we'll say, you know, I yeah. just think that they have the, the players and especially on offense, like that offense, I'm so excited to see, you know, you give McDaniels, all these toys, he should be able to figure out how to make this offense pretty damn good.
1: But I know you love the
0: Chargers, so I'm very interested to hear. I'm very interested (laughs) to hear
1: you know, and again, I may have to repeat this in every episode over the year over the course of the year because people didn't really seem to understand it last year. Like Brandon Staley is not my son. He's not my father, he's not my brother. I don't care. I've never met the man. I could care. I don't know anything about the man. All I know is from a thought process and decision-making standpoint, Mm -hmm. if we had 32 coaches in the (laughs) NFL do what he does as far as making intellectual decisions based on probabilities Mm -hmm. along with the personality and uh, personnel of Mm -hmm. his team, i.e. if you showed up for work as the head coach of a football team, looked around and realized that your defense wasn't particularly good and there was kind of nothing you could do about it, then you would probably want to keep the ball in your offense's hands as yeah. much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And then after the season, you would say to the general manager, help me on defense. Here is what I would I need. And mm-hmm. if that general manager said, sure, here's Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, and like two or three run-stopping specialists to, to plug holes in the defense that literally cost you a playoff spot when they couldn't, stop one rushing play that they knew was coming in <laughs> advance right like
0: yeah.
1: it's sad. i'm sorry like what else am i what am i what else am i supposed to ask for i want every coach to make these decisions based on what they have in front of them both from a uh probability mathematical studying standpoint and a personnel standpoint all that is to say um both of these teams i think are really interesting for obvious reasons right like they both have kind of an unlimited ceiling mm-hmm. like if the Raiders just won the Super Bowl this year like mm-hmm. yeah it'd be pretty surprising like the defense is probably pretty still sh- you know shaky but the offense might be really 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 good with mm-hmm. McDaniels coordinating like Carr and all of the weapons that he has and if they get out of the AFC West say they won the AFC West like yeah they probably are a really really good team so like what is their ceiling when it comes mm-hmm. to a rating Because right now, they're sort of looked at as the fourth best team. Everybody sort of has enough regard to say that they have a chance to win the division. Almost as like a, you know, it's almost like saying something nice about the AFC West. Like, they're so good, the Raiders could win the division. And then Mm -hmm. when you ask somebody if they think the Raiders are going to win the divisions, they they go like, well, no. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. they don't want to bet that. Right? And I totally understand that. And so, like, the win total is eight and a half which we're going to do some quick mathematics here is exactly half of 17 games, which if you were just basing off ratings for win totals would be 50 out of hundred problem is part of that win total is the fact that they've got six games against the chiefs, Broncos and Chargers. So it has to be graded on a curve. So it has to be a little bit more put into a preseason rating than just, well, what does the market think they're going to do from a win standpoint, right? The ball market says eight, eight and one. You know, or eight and a half wins, well, that mm-hmm. means 50%. It's like, no, they're, they have to be a little bit better than that. So let's give them a 10% bump. Let's bump them up to 55% before we do anything. Well, if that's the case, the Chargers then to be three to three and a half point favorites here, they got to be something around 66, right? And we already talked about how we basically give them no home field advantage. And mm-hmm. so when you look at it like that and you go, "Okay, the Chargers could be a 66, and we talked about like that's definitely a playoff team, that's maybe a division champion depending on sort of how your division shakes out, but it also leaves room to be a lot better." And when yeah. you have the loaded roster that the Chargers have, we're looking at the Chargers going like, "Yeah, if you told me they were a 78 by the end of the season, I'd be like, yeah, yeah makes sense. The a lot of the yeah. roster's insane." And if you told me the Raiders were a 67, you know by the end of the season i totally believe that so both these teams can sort of shuffle along together this isn't one you know rated here and the other one rated anywhere around here they're both sort of accurately rated i mm-hmm. just don't know where you yeah, know they yeah. are right i think no, they're probably you. you know i think the Chargers are probably this amount better than the raiders but mm-hmm. both teams might be really 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 good And it might, you know, they could meet again in the same situation in the playoffs and the chargers could be to three to three and a half point favorites. And we might have a better opinion of both of these teams because they Mm -hmm. both got a lot better. So, you know, my numbers, if I'm looking at this, I go, you know, chargers, I think there's more. So it's kind of like Eagles lions where it's like, I think there's more, you know, definitive Stuff that we know about the Chargers, yeah, whereas yeah. the Raiders, it's all you know. It's still, a lot of it is hypothetical. And mm-hmm. when it's hypothetical, like I want to take big shots. I want to take David Carr to lead the league in passing yards. I want to take like big money, you know, plus money type things yeah. and see if it hits. Whereas, like in a point spread, that's only minus three. Yeah, I'm kind of more looking for the team that I think I know what I'm going to get, and I think I'm going to get better decision making from uh, Staley. Even sort of perceptively from last year, because I think the defense yeah, yeah, is going to yeah. be better. So he's not going to be whiling out with his fourth down calls, right? I think that was a very season specific thing. But he also knows that he's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I expect him to keep doing that. And I'm here for that. And I wish every coach did that. And that's all I'm saying about the Brandon Staley thing. And I'll probably have to say it every week for the rest of the season.
0: No, no, I got you. I got you. Um, let's keep them moving here and we'll kind of speed things up here. Get through a bunch more of these games here. We've got the saints as five and a half point favorites at the Falcons yeah. um, Vegas zone. I don't, I mean, I, do I have to take the Falcons here just because they're home dogs and it's five and a half points. Jameis versus Mariota. I feel like there's too many points for, is it Jameis? Jameis is starting for the saints, right? I yeah. have that right. Yeah. Um, Too many points for me to lay with Jameis on the road. I don't care who they're playing against, but too many points for me. I'm on the Falcons here. Um,
1: Yeah. It comes
0: back.
1: Yeah, it comes back to, again, uncertainty, right? And, like, mm-hmm. there isn't a ton of certainty with the Saints right now because we don't know what version of Michael Thomas we're going to get. And we don't know that Jameis is, like, 100% healthy. Obviously, he missed uh, all of the preseason. And there's, you know, some um, foot, I think, I believe it was a foot injury uh, element. So we don't know. But, again, what do we do when we don't necessarily know? But there's potential. Like, we look for high, you know, payout-type bets. I think the Saints yeah. are a pretty good bet okay to do some really good things this season doesn't mean they're definitely going to do it but if we're looking at 15 to 1 you know vikings type thing i think they're a lot like the vikings to be honest with you right Kirk cousin Jameis winston like nobody's dying to grab them in a fantasy draft nobody's dying to watch them you know you know on a monday night you don't really want to grab them as favorites which again is sort of the point with this game specifically but like both have played really good football for stretches at a time and both are surrounded by a lot of really good weapons and the Saints especially the defense mm-hmm. is really really good so what do they have to do they just have to like the Vikings switch places with the Buccaneers and they have this advantage of owning the Buccaneers four straight wins since Tom Brady got to Tampa Bay the Saints win every time and yeah. won the division uh, 2 years ago all that is to say though that uncertainty that like idea that this team might be good might not necessarily manifest itself in the first game exactly
0: like they could still win but five and a half is a lot
1: they certainly could still win and then you look at the falcons and i look at this and i go i mean the market couldn't hate the falcons more Mm -hmm. right like a team that won what did they win like six games something like seven games like Mm -hmm. And large, you know, people look at the roster and everything that they did last year. They didn't get any sacks and like the blah, blah, blah. blah. And like now Matt Ryan's gone. Like, again, I am a sucker for a mobile quarterback. I have a theory that Marcus Mariota, had he been drafted to a dome team, might might have ended up being one of the best quarterbacks we'd ever seen. Because when he came out of college with his speed, if he had been used Mm -hmm. properly, he might be a lot, you know, highly regarded than he is right now. And the other element is he was with the Titans. And, you know, they had a shuffling of coaches over the years with, when, during his tenure. And then Arthur Smith, a Titans offensive coordinator, goes to Atlanta. They realize that it's sort of end of the road here with Matt Ryan, both for Ryan and for the Falcons themselves. And then somebody had to go to Arthur Smith and be like, okay, there's some quarterbacks available here. We could go first round draft pick. We could, mm-hmm. you know, go to the Baker Mayfield. We could go to the Jimmy G thing. Like Arthur Smith said, or at least I think he said, yeah, I had Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. Like, I can work mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll grab a quarterback in the second or third round or whatever and, like, see how that goes. But we're also going to grab a quarterback who stylistically looks a lot like Mar- Marcus Mariota, right? Like, mobile quarterback, maybe mm-hmm. not the strongest arm necessarily in the world, but will should make good decisions and not turn the ball over a ton. Problem is with the Falcons, they don't have that Browns-like roster where the quarterback just has to be okay But, like, the bar is so low for the Falcons at four and a half wins, you know, essentially a 4.75 when you look at the over being slightly juiced. Like, that's a 29. (laughs) Like, they're a 29. Like, there's so much room for them to be better than a 29 for a team that won a decent amount of games last year. So yeah, like I'll wait on this. I'll try to get six. It's obviously not going to get to seven. I really don't think, but like, yeah, for the first game with Jameis and a lot of those weapons that I think gel and, and uh, probably pretty good the rest of the way here, a nice plus six here for the Falcons would be absolutely something that I'm going to get on.
0: No, I got you. I got you there. Uh, Let's keep things moving here. And we got the new England Patriots in Miami. To take on the Dolphins, Dolphins three and a half point favorites at home, the extra point, the extra half point, the hook, as they say, Mm. does have me a little nervous. Um, But on the flip side, the Pats always struggle in Miami, no matter what, even when Tom Brady was there. And now we know Tom Brady is still not there. And they got Matt Patricia still calling plays, I think. I think. But either way, it's like yeah. <laughs> either way. Um, I'm not full on buying this like Dolphins parade and like the Tua hype and all that. And you know, Tyree Kill I think will have an okay season, but I don't. I think they overpaid for him and all that fun stuff. But I think this is a year where the Dolphins just handle their business against the Patriots. So give me Miami and the three and a half points. I don't love it, but I'm, I'm in on it.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, you're in line with somebody this week who has bumped this thing from three to three and a half after it went, uh, you know, from two and a half to three, right? So we have cruised all the way through the key number here. And at that point, like, this is Patriots or nothing for me. And again, this comes down to week one. Okay, a lot of these teams might be good by the time the season goes on. And like, we like that from a, you know, again, higher end result type thing. Mm -hmm. You could sell me that by the end of the year, the dolphins are really good. Maybe they even usurp the bills and win the division, but in a week one, like, I think this is based on home field advantage, but I've built two and a half points for home field advantage here with the Dolphins because of the reasons that you just mentioned. The heat and whatnot always gives them literal, a li- quite literal advantage at home. Mm-hmm. But then that still means that the Dolphins are somewhere along the lines of like 56 and the, and the Patriots are about a 50, you know, with an eight and a half uh, win total. That sort of makes, makes some sense for the Patriots. But again, we're looking at, making this assumption that the dolphins are just good all of a sudden and like <laughs> rookie head coach. And again, you know, don't get me into the two and on people, but like, you know, we still don't really know about Tua And once you cruise past three and you're going to give me plus three and a half, I'm just going to take the Patriots. And I know people yeah. are, imagine hand wringing about the Patriots coaching staff. I, know know. I mean, like imagine being <laughs> concerned about that. <laughs> like, doesn't that have, like, oh, Patriots 1917 victory on week one? And we all just looked around at ourselves, you know, and like, did we really like think Bill Belichick didn't have things tightened up, you know, around that facility? Like, it just, uh, you know, again, they might lose. <laughs> Dolphins might win by a lot, but if you're going to give me three and a half points, I'm taking the Patriots.
0: Yeah, I, I, as I said, I don't love the fact that the line has gone from two and a half to three and a half. Definitely do not like that at all. But, you know, I'm could be put that after the chiefs game. Yeah. We're
1: (laughs) going to learn some hard lessons about closing (laughs) line value and and being on the, getting the best of the number. I think uh, after week one here,
0: (laughs) Oh yes. And uh, let's keep things moving. The Ravens seven point favorites at the jets Lamar Jackson. I feel like should have to come out here balling, especially with his contract situation still up in the air and you know what better team to do that against than the jets. But the one thing that is interesting to me, it's not even just Lamar Jackson. I feel like if the Ravens are fully healthy, they should be a pretty good team that is fighting for, you know, some like top spots in the AFC sure. and the Jets are the Jets. I mean, yeah. Joe Flacco, wasn't he out, out here? Like his kids making fun of him, telling him he sucks. <laughs> and, <laughs> like You know, I, I can't take the it might Jets. not be I, wrong. They might not be wrong. I mean, we're sitting here looking at it, and, and I know we talked a lot about home dogs and all that, but I feel like different rules apply for the Jets. I don't like it at seven, but I'll take the seven points in the Ravens.
1: Yeah, uh, it's in like you're 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 taking the Jets here with the seven. No, points? no, no. Sorry, you, sorry, sorry. Oh, you're gonna give I'm the on the, the Ravens.
0: Ravens. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 laying the points. Okay. Ravens so listen,
1: I, my answer to that would be all right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to tell you like, oh, we got to grab the points here with the Jets here because like this, you know, let's do our ratings thing here. Let's say the Ravens, you know, we're expecting a playoff team. We talked about how they're probably around the same level as the Bengals. Let's call, I think the Ravens maybe a little bit better than the Bengals potentially based on their health this season. Let's call them a 64, right? Give them a one sort of point nudge, not even a point, you know, uh, in football terms, but from a rating standpoint, we'll give them a 64. Uh, them being a seven-point favorite means the Jets are a 32. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at it this way, right? Like, we're talking about these two teams like they're Chiefs-Cardinals, or I should say that we're talking about Chiefs-Cardinals like this is Ravens-Jets. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't really sort of add up, kind of going back to that Cardinals game. It adds up a lot better when you look and you say, yeah, Jets are about a 32, because the Jets are going to have to, and Joe Flacco especially, are going to have to prove to me that not only are they better than a 32, that they just even are a 32, right? But at 5.5, you know, 5.75, essentially, with a win total, like, that's what they're being rated. And, like, I'm not ready to get there here with this edition of the (laughs) Jets. Like, there's nothing that says, like, Robert Sala is, like, a great coach. Like, I don't... There's no side of the football or even positional group in a lot of ways where I'm like, yep, Jets have got it. You know what I mean? Like, the offensive line could be a lot better if they had some better sort of health luck in the last couple of years, but like the line makes a ton of sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring up a little thing. I like to call survivor because you mentioned that road favorite and all, you know, all the home underdogs, like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. schedule makers, not doing anybody any favors in survivor this week, because you are left with some really dangerous you know, home picks, like if you're looking for, to, you know, we'll get to Tennessee here, but like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. like you really want to go against the Steelers week one in in Survivor. Like, I don't really want to do that. But like a lot of people will tell you, and I have said this in the past, like I'm looking to only play home teams. Like I will take my chances with home teams. But as home field advantage has devalued over the years, yeah, that has to be less true, right? Or that mm-hmm. has to be less of a thing that we sort of believe. And when it comes to betting, one of the cool things is we are given win probabilities before every game, right? The money line is telling you what the likelihood of this team or that team is to win the game. And they've already factored in home field advantage. And they have factored all of that stuff in. And so when we look at this week where there's only a handful of seven-point favorites, to me, the Ravens are, again, I'll use the term safe, safest play for a certain from a survivor standpoint because i know that the jets are appropriately rated i know mm-hmm. in my head that the ravens are appropriately rated i can't say that about the steelers i can't say that about the giants or the titans i can't say that about the chiefs or the or the cardinals or even the texans which is another team that we'll get to here shortly so like this to me is ravens in survivor don't worry about the point spread and honestly Over the course of the rest of the season, there's not going to be a ton of other times to take the Ravens as a seven point favorite. Yeah, I would prefer them playing at home, but that's already built into this line. If they were playing at home, we'd be looking at a 10, 11 point favorite, but they don't get the Jets at home. They get a bunch of division teams at home that are going to be tough. They get the Falcons in week 16. I'll spoil it for you. There's other teams that we can use in week 16 (laughs) if we are lucky enough to get there. The Ravens are our survivor play and nothing else for me this week.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Let's go with the Giants who are on the road in Tennessee. Tennessee Titans are five and a half point favorites Um, in the Vegas zone. Super strange line to me. Uh, Give me the points. I I just don't like being on Tennessee by that many points even though it's the Giants, I know, yeah. and I get it, and I understand it, it's the Giants. This is not really even a bet. This is a bet on the Giants aren't, like, me thinking the Giants aren't that bad. They're not Jets sure. bad. <laughs> That's it's, basically what this it's bet It's
1: funny, is. like, you go through the summer, and you're looking at lines, and then, and you know, for me, I'll use this, this game's kind of a perfect example. I'm like, you know, six and a half for the Titans, and you sit there and you go, man, if we could get seven. Man, if we could get seven with the giants, we will be cooking with gas. If we can get (laughs) plus seven with the giants. And then one day somebody wakes up and it's infuriating because whether it's a two and a half, you know, something around two and a half, three, something around six and a half, seven, you just go like, you really couldn't wait any longer to see if this could go to seven before you put in the bet, the, the order, right. These, you know, these conglomerates, if you will, uh, that, you know, uh, move these lines you couldn't wait for a plus seven and they Mm -hmm. couldn't they had to grab plus six and a half in like the middle of august and -hmm. they had to grab plus six and here we are down to five and a half now the good news is you know mid-june we have a pretty good idea of what's going on when it comes to these point spreads and what and what the point spread should be the fact that we know that plus six and a half is good and then a month later it goes down to five and a half when by the way. The Giants have done nothing to deserve this. Imagine yep. if the Giants even had like an okay preseason, like where <laughs> this line might go, where the Giants' hype, Because people were ready, man. They were ready to be Brian Dable turning around Daniel Jones' career. Look at the, you know, look at the um, trenches where they added an offensive line and they added a defensive line. This defense, they can do some things. Blah blah. blah. Like Saquon's back. Like people were chomping at the bit, man to like be in on the giants and they stunk in the preseason mm-hmm. and the line still went down under six. So I don't yeah. know if we're ever going to see this six again. This is me sitting around waiting for a six, even though I could have grabbed six and a half earlier on in the, in the off Would have loved to go back in time to do that was hoping we would get seven. Isn't yeah. going to happen, but at least we know that we're on the right track with some of these line moves. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha.
0: you. Um, keep things moving here. We got the Niners, my Niners, seven point favorites in Chicago against the Bears. Um, I said it earlier. I alluded to it earlier. It's trade Um, long time. Listeners will know I'm a Niners guy. Um, defense alone. The Niners should win this game. I feel like defense alone. The Niners should probably cover this game, but I'm very much more interested in seeing what Shanahan has for Trey Lance after a full year of being able to install the Trey Lance package that we were stating from last year. Clearly he wasn't ready for because he had every opportunity to take it, but now you have a year here. It is. I'm not thrown off by the Jimmy G thing being the backup. I just think that's a smart move Mm -hmm. for in case it doesn't work. Um, So yeah, give me the Niners minus seven. I know it's a lot of points. I know we talked about home dogs and all that other fun stuff, but the bears, I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what to make of the Bears. I think the Niners defense covers this.
1: Yeah. So this is this is very sort of poor man's version of Ravens Jets, right? Mm-hmm. Where the only problem here is a couple of things. One, I think the ratings are probably okay. You know, Bears rated about a 29, which is like down with the Falcons, which is not quite as bad as the Seahawks, you know, a little bit lower than the Lions, et cetera, et cetera. You know, as far as, you know, comparing them with the Jets, it's like, yeah, like I know what I'm going to get from Joe Flacco. Yeah. I don't necessarily know for sure what I'm getting from Justin Fields because he has the mobile ability and that, you know, that extends a drive or two and you only get like 10 drives in a game. And if you extend a couple of them, maybe into field goal range or you score, well, now you might have something there. (laughs) And on the flip side, the Ravens bring Lamar Jackson into new york i know what i'm gonna get with lamar jackson i don't know necessarily what i'm gonna get with trey lance like the the package last year it's like my problem was like i wish they used him in the the package a little bit (laughs) more than they actually did right yeah yeah, yeah. that was my main problem is like if you're gonna use this guy like let's get that package out there rolling like all the time Mm -hmm. so like that was really bothersome for me so like yeah they are like if there's sort of a plan b if you will for survivor then like th- this would be a niners like the mm-hmm. second choice for me but i'm not looking to back them minus seven but i'm also not really dying to grab the bears at this point plus seven <laughs> like exactly, I, again yeah. i ha- and i have the i have the 49ers rated pretty high like a 69 nice um whereas i you know we mentioned like the bears being a 29 like that's how you get a you know seven point road favorite yeah yeah there's just kind of a better chance that maybe the 49ers dip a little bit like Mm -hmm. yeah there is some room above but like trey lance has to be really good for that to happen so it is sort of this like tread a little bit more lightly than you would with the ravens and the jets and so yeah i'm in you know i don't do the minus seven on the road literally maybe ever and so i'm not about to now but it's not like i'm dying to bet the bears here either
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. We'll continue to pick things up and, and finish off a little quick here as we got the Jags at the commanders commanders are two and a half point favorites, and I'm not taking Carson Wentz and the commanders to be favored against anybody. I know that last year, um, I know I'm going overboard here. I know that last year there was a very similar situation with the Jags early on in the season. Mm-hmm. where they were underdogs against someone and everyone was on the wave of taking the Jags. I can't remember who it was, but I feel no, like they, it were,
1: favorites. they, well, were, they were favorites. They were minus three and a half favorites the at, at the Texans. And it was like, That's what, what was. on earth yeah, did yeah. the Jags do to deserve this? That's what it and was. And sure enough, bad. the Texans won on the money line. That was one of the great so now, plays.
0: Last so week. now let's flip things around here.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, I was on the right trail. I was just in the right, you know, right. Area just wrong, you know. Anyways, Jaguars, give me the Jags plus two and a half against the commanders and your man's Carson Weds. There's not much more that I want to add to that. I mean, hey, they got Trevor Lawrence. You'd hope that he has a much better uh season than he did last year without Mr. Urban Meyer in the way. So let's go. Yeah. So if there was one if there's one
1: thing to this uh this theme to this podcast, it'd be you're on the right track, but like we should have had this podcast a month ago, right? Because exactly. like, when you know, this was Jags plus three and a half for a really mm-hmm. long time. It was even open four way, 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 way long time, much, you know, a long time ago. But like now it's down to two and a half and it's the same thing with the, you know, Cardinals Chiefs. It's the same thing with some of these other ones where you're especially across the key numbers here mm-hmm. of three and even to a lesser extent, you know, four through six with regards to the, the Chiefs game you can't bet the Jaguars plus two and a half here, man. Like you just cannot do it Like under no circumstances. I a throw my body in front of it type of a deal here. And in fact, like once now that we're down to minus two and a half, like, I think this is a commander's bet. Like again, what have the Jaguars done to deserve all of this? Right. Like they're just one hard knocks season away from just being over, you know, in the same boat as the lions at this point. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, but again, I get three, three and a half, like taking those points against, you know, Carson Wentz and the commanders, whatever. But like Ron Rivera is no disaster when it comes to, you know, head coaching, like Carson Wentz can be infuriating, but at least he's got some level of talent and he certainly has some talent around him. And, you know, part of that line move may have come from Chase Young's suspension earlier on, but like from this, to, for this to go to three to two and a half, like, you know, if you're listening to this, trying to make a decision on a bet here, like, you, you know, you're obviously decided that you're going to pick every game as, as you have over the last couple of, of years. And so, like, the last thing you're going to want to do here is, like, go, okay, fine, I'll take the Commanders and then watch the Jags win outright. But, like, from an actual betting standpoint, like, you can't take the Jaguars plus two and a half. You cannot do it. Like, they have not done anything to prove that they know what they're doing because they hired Doug Peterson. Like, if he was such a great coach, he would still be the coach of the Eagles. You know what I mean? Like they ran that guy out on a rail because like they tried to lose a football game. So like, like, I'm sorry, like Dick Peterson cool. Like he won uh, kind of, miracle-ish Super Bowl, but like he's not the one that's going to turn this thing around, and like, yeah, I'm sorry Trevor Lawrence has to take some blame for not being good last year that can't all be, as much as we all want and dislike Urban Meyer like, that can't all be on Urban Meyer's shoulders, and the general disaster that that was, like, yeah, maybe he ends up being really good, but like he also built his entire reputation being on teams that had way more talent than his opponent that's, that has never been the case for the Jaguars, and frankly, probably never will be the case yeah. for the Jaguars. And all the Jaguars have actually done is overpay some mediocre wide receivers, overpay and not really make any commitment to their offensive line beyond a, you know, a. am not going to say washed up, that's not fair, but like a veteran guard. They haven't mm-hmm. made any changes to the offensive tackle position from last season, so Trevor Lawrence still might he still might be good, just be getting destroyed all the time because yeah. of lack of uh, offensive line play. And like these receivers and like Travis Etienne's back and it's like, okay, but since when did we start making decisions based on running backs, right? Yeah. Who also made his name on you know a team that played play other teams that didn't have the same level of talent as his own team. And defensively, they had the first pick overall, and they picked a guy who we don't expect to have a ton of impact from a counting stat standpoint. Right? Yeah. Like, this isn't like a massive overhaul in the way that, like, oh, look at all the talent the Jags have brought in. They've just spent a lot of money and grabbed a guy who won a Super Bowl a few years back with Nick Foles. Like that was kind of crazy, but like, what? Like, how are we rating yeah. the Jags the way that we are here off of kind of not really anything just yet? Yeah.
0: No, no, no. I got you. I got you. A very interesting game to see like, cause one of the other sides of how I like to pick against games is seeing like who the real crappy teams are in the league. And I think this will be an interesting matchup to see (laughs) which one of these two teams are that contender to just, you know, initially start with the fade (laughs) each and every week. Um, Keeping things moving the Colts, are seven point favorites in houston and the texans i think for a lot of people foolishly were a team that people tried to just fade last year but really the texans were a better than you would think team against the spread last year because they faced a lot of double digit spread so they wouldn't win but they could keep things you know respectable i guess that is the the right way to put it they won four games
1: you know what i mean like yeah that's outrageous uh i love the texans man i do like i've been i've been just pushing it off and pushing off i finally had to admit like last week i was like you know what folks i just do you know and it's not to like do anything crazy i don't think they're gonna make the playoffs or anything Mm -hmm. like that right but like fundamentally i believe at the very core football is played in the trenches and like if you have a good offensive line like that's pretty good start and you know the Texans don't have a particularly good defensive line. That would be sort of the next step of the program. But like they didn't have an opportunity to get one of the top two or allegedly top two defensive linemen in the draft last year. And so they just had to settle, if you will, Mm -hmm. for maybe an all pro level cornerback, Right. (laughs) And like, that's a start as well. And so, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. should be pretty good defensively, but fundamentally this comes down to the offensive line, not getting to play together last year when Laramie Tunsil went out like week five with like broken hand mm-hmm. and then they go and they you know first round pick use that on uh what was an Z- i forget the gentleman's name Zion Johnson something like that anyway they use another you know a first round pick on another offensive line and they are building this line out Tunsil will be back this season and hopefully he stays healthy and then you watch them play in the preseason and like Damian Pierce looks really good and again we don't make decisions here based on running backs but like that's certainly better than like the you know, poo poo platter they were running like last year with like Rex Burkhead and like these other just washed up dudes. Like Damian Pierce was underused at Florida, Florida, like our guy Anthony Richardson, by the way. Shout out mm-hmm. to him for an incredible performance on last Saturday when you and I were discussing his potential last season for Florida. Mm-hmm. Only Dan Mullen ruined that. Imagine having Anthony Richardson and Damian Pierce on your roster and you just don't really use them all that well. Uh, yeah. But the point is here is like Davis Mills is a is potentially a really good quarterback and because the first time we saw him was a Thursday night game where he was sort of thrown in to you know play and like I think it was the third game of the season of his rookie year like yeah he wasn't going to look very good right Mm -hmm. and he sort of has the long neck doesn't like look overly mobile thing where it's like you can't even make anything out of nothing you're just going to get what you get in that sort of a situation, but he got really good towards the end <laughs> of the season, right? And he was he hitting over his hand over fist on his passing yardage, which, you know, we were on top of uh, over in our little corner of the internet. And so, like, I like the quarterback. I like the offensive line. I like the running guy. I like Brandon Cook's with davis mills like they had a connection they did and so it's like they might be able to score a little bit now i don't again i don't know about the defense maybe stingley's awesome and they get to just put him on somebody and forget about it and they can play 10 on 10 the rest of the field like that'd be really cool but like speaking of your guy shanny and the 49ers like lovey smith has a better all-time record as an nfl coach than your man, Shani. Like, so as much as we make fun of Lovey Smith and, like, how bad, you know, it was at Illinois and, like, a lot of that is recruiting, there's no recruiting in the NFL. Lovey Smith might be just a pretty good coach. You know what I mean? He might be better than the guy last year, and the guy last year won four games. So, like, yeah, I think the Texans go over their win total. I think they're scrappy as hell this season. And, again, we talk about this with the Giants and the Titans, and the Giants didn't even do anything to sort of deserve, you know, the line move. like. Yeah, I was loving the Texans at plus eight. And we saw yesterday the line move to plus seven. Somebody else out there likes the Texans. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's appropriate based on ratings, because I think the Colts are going to be a really good team and rated really high. And the Texans still have to show us something. But Mm -hmm. at least sort of perceptively, like that felt like too many points. And sure enough, it was because that one line is down to seven, having been at eight all summer long.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. The Texans. It's so funny. It was one of those things where I kept trying to tell people all last year. I'm like, I know you think they suck, but look up their record against the spread. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing. (laughs) We're making picks against the spread. (laughs) Right. So anyways, if you know, you know, I guess type of thing there, uh, keep things moving. The Sunday nighter, your man's Tom Brady, two and a half point favorites in dallas against the cowboys i want nothing to do with dallas cowboys more than ever this year i feel like you know i know that they do have the talent they always have talent they still have talent in skills positions i know it's not as bad as people want to make it i just think that this mike mccarthy thing has to come to an end (laughs) at some point yeah and does he make it through the whole season? Like while Sean Payton's on TV, just like waiting in the wings, like yeah. it's all just weird. Right. And the whole thing with um, Dan Quinn, that's a defensive coach. That was yeah. basically said that he went to McCarthy and said, Hey, like, would this be better for you if I've resigned? <laughs> because that's how, like how much talk was going into the season about right. him Mike McCarthy being replaced. Like there's just so much crap going on. Mind you, There's a lot of crap going on with the Bucs as well, which man's Tom Brady fighting himself in the gossip columns all again and all that Mm -hmm. stuff going on as well. Totally understand it. Totally get it. Do I like taking the Bucs on the road as favorites? Not really. But This is more of a fade of the Cowboys early because I think for the Cowboys, it's going to get worse before it gets better.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, this is as tricky as a game there is this week, man. Yeah, like, I mean, it really is, right? Because you have to sort of stick with the Buccaneers from a rating of last year, which it would be around a 75, right? Like a contender to win the Super Bowl. And that's, that's starting really high, right? Like it kind of can only go down from here or at least stay where it is. And so if that's the case, then like, yeah, okay, they're two and a half point favorites uh, on the road to Dallas. And that means sort of translating that, okay, well, what would the Cowboys rating be? Well, Cowboys rating would be about a 55. Right, and so yeah, I could get to fifty-five with Dallas, like on a, on the downside there, because Tyron Smith is out and because you know Amari Cooper gets traded, and honestly, just Jerry Jones saying that like they go as Ezekiel Elliott goes, like that's enough for me. <laughs> um, but then from a numerical like numbers standpoint, we look at the defense being like really really lucky last year. Yeah. You know, Trayvon Diggs. Think about it this way, by the by the way, a little bit of a tangent, but like Trayvon Diggs had eleven interceptions and didn't even sniff Defensive Player of the Year. So, like, if you were ever thinking, you know, I've retired from even trying to bet anyone other than a defensive lineman for Defensive Player of the Year, right? We've just come too far. We know too much. Trayvon Diggs is running touchdowns back, left, right, and center, and he can't even get a snap. But the point is, he's not going to do that again. They're not going to get – the Dallas Cowboys, a little trivia for people who – don't read my stuff. I can't imagine why you wouldn't read everything. All right. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys led the league in points last year. Like it probably yeah. would have taken you a while if I had asked you, you know, again, week one, I'm being easy on you here with the, with the questions, um, you know, wait for week two. And I've got all kinds of stuff prepared for you, shell. But like, <laughs> if I asked you how many points, you know, who had the most points in the, in the NFL last year, it's probably a sixth or seventh by the time you guess the Dallas Cowboys. And so, Part of that is because the defense is turning teams over and getting touchdowns uh, on returns. They're not yeah. going to get that stuff too, right? And so if we call the Cowboys a playoff team, which they obviously were last year, right? We assign them sort of a low 60s rating. Well, if we expect this year for that to drop, then yeah, yeah okay, 55 starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. That being said, like, we're making that assumption. With the with the Bucks rating at 75... We're at least making an assumption of status quo, where it's might get worse. Yeah. The Cowboys, we're making an assumption that it's worse. And so yeah, I yeah. think you have to take or you have to look to the Cowboys in this game because of obviously the point spread and the rating element being like, well, like maybe the Cowboys just are still a 60, you know, and 55 mm-hmm. is too far at mm-hmm. this point. Now, I'm not dying to bet them plus two and a half. Maybe by the time Sunday night rolls around, we get a little old school situation where on Sunday night, everybody just piles in on the quote unquote, you know, in this case, America's team would be the Buccaneers, strangely (laughs) enough, Um, right? Being that like more popular team, the classic road dog situation. Like, yeah, I'll take the Cowboys if we can get to three. Otherwise, yeah. it turns into like a hang on to your butt teaser, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Thursday, Sunday night teaser with the Cowboys plus eight and a half and the Rams plus eight and a half. And you just mm-hmm. kind of ride with that at minus 120 or better on a six point teaser and hope the weekend starts and finishes the right way from a teaser standpoint.
0: I like it. It's super interesting. The Dallas Cowboys, always entertaining for sure. Um, probably wishing he was as entertaining as whatever's going on with the Cowboys, but he tries is your man's Russell Wilson, who now finds himself as a QB of Denver Broncos. And they get the Monday night spot Broncos at Seahawks Broncos favored by six and a half points. I almost Am going to forbid myself from watching this game because I do not like it'll just be a lot of Russell Wilson and I'm never here for a lot of Russell Wilson. <laughs> like I, I just can't do it. Right. But in terms of this spread, I feel like six and a half points is a lot. I don't think the Seahawks are gonna be very good, but I do feel like the Seahawks in a Monday night game, home crowd, Russ might be trying to do a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh six and a half points is a lot I'm leaning Seahawks plus the points here
1: yeah I mean it seems like something that could get to seven by the time anybody even really thinks about this game come Monday right like it's not something you're dying for sure and (laughs) And then then at plus seven you're like okay fine like you win take my money um yeah yeah, I I mean I I think pretty much yeah I think I honestly I think that's kind of it when it comes to that because again my assumption is that the Seahawks are going to be really really bad like I think that's kind of the point to Mm -hmm. them this year right and like Carroll is going to be just the steward of badness right he's going to lead them into sort of like respectably be the worst team in the league potentially or like you know down there somewhere where they'll have a handful of quarterbacks to choose from whether it's Mm -hmm. you know stroud young or even the aforementioned anthony richardson like there's going to be it should be a pretty interesting crop this mm-hmm. year in the nfl draft unlike last year and so there isn't really any motivation to try to be good because honestly you have to look around in seattle and be like there just isn't much here right yeah. from a roster standpoint so you know good for them for not trading for jimmy g and then just kind of like going down here with the ship so to speak mm-hmm. uh i've got them rated here you know for using this point spread about a uh, 27 that puts the broncos <laughs> up in the yeah i know 27 It's legitimately funny. Uh, That puts the Broncos up in that Chargers, you know, Chiefs. Well, not quite the Chiefs, but, you know, the Chargers range of like 65, 66, 67, something along those lines. Right. And just the fact that the Chargers and, and Broncos are sort of rated that way, you know, sort of shows like, are those teams really that much worse than the Chiefs? And we Mm. already decided, right, that the Chiefs are being rated right now at about a 75 or a 76. So, again, all of this, it's just circling back to that Cardinals-Chiefs game, like, just blowing my mind on that point spread, right? Like, maybe the Broncos are, maybe the Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs, maybe all of them are 75s this year. Maybe it's just an absolute sweepstakes in the AFC East, or or, excuse me, AFC West, of really, really good teams, (laughs) And we just don't see that that very, you know, that often. We may not even really know about that until the playoffs roll around. Um, But yeah, like it's situational in its entirety because like, you know, people do the thing where like, well, this guy's going to want to do this and this guy's going to want to do that. It's like, it's an NFL football field, man. Guys are out there just trying to survive, right? Like the, the effort is there. That's what's cool about the NFL. There's no like off nights as far as effort is concerned you're going to have the 52 or whatever guys on the Seahawks putting in the effort against their former quarterback. Whereas you only have one former Seahawk on the other side for the Broncos. I think the Broncos probably still win this game. But like you said, if we get to seven, yeah, I think you got to take the Seahawks and just absolutely hate your life for four hours on Monday night.
0: Yeah, I, I plan on not watching this game, but taking the Seahawks in the six and a half. So here we are. Um, I know because it's week one, we'll go super, super long here, but we'll just ask um, a couple questions here. I would like to know, first off, I have three questions for you. Okay. We'll start with NFL MVP. Sure. Who is your pick? So, again, this is all, you know,
1: (laughs) this is all obviously odds-based or whatever, right? Because, I mean, you got Josh Allen the favorite, right? But I'm like, I don't know that I, you know, I can't remember a time necessarily where a guy was a favorite without actually getting any sort of votes in recent memory. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not something that I can play. And I wrote a column earlier on in the, in the off season, and it was like grab Wilson, grab Jackson and grab and Herbert, because their odds are going to get shorter. And they did. So we sort of have that in pocket, which goes, okay, if those guys odds get shorter, whose odds get longer. And the one guy that sort of jumped out to me is Patrick Mahomes because Mm -hmm. The bar that we set for Patrick Mahomes after his, like, 50 bajillion, you know, touchdown, five five 5,000 trillion uh, yard season where he won the MVP, like, we set that bar so high for that dude. And all that he did was, like, throw for, like, 4,500 yards and, like, 40-some-odd touchdowns and, like, lead the team to, like, the AFC title game and, you know, in, in one case, like, a Super Bowl appearance. And, like, oh, yeah, of course he did. Like, he's got, you know, Kelsey and Hill, and, like, that's what they do. And, like, okay, Rodgers was doing it, you know, perceived to be doing it with less, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't this feel like Mahomes now has the perception with Hill being gone that if he does it, i.e., like, 5,000 yards and close to 50 touchdowns, it's going to be like, man, he didn't even need Tyreek Hill. Like, that's how good, you know, the Chiefs are. And from a team perspective, part of it in the past was – well, the AFC West, like the Broncos are a mess, the Raiders are a train wreck, and the Chargers can't get out of their way. Of course, the Chiefs had a really good record. Well, now, as we've talked about throughout this last two hours is a lot of regard for everyone in the AFC West. So a Chiefs division is all of a sudden more impressive because they're not minus 400 to win the division. They're only plus 150 to win the division from an odd standpoint. And he does it without Tyreek Hill. So like, all of a sudden the bar is now lowered for Mahomes. He only had, instead of having to jump the bar here, he has to jump the bar a little bit lower. And so, that makes him more capable of doing that, which makes his odds, which haven't really changed from years to year. It's actually a little bit longer. Nine to one right now is longer than the six or you know seven to one that it has been in the past. Like the odds are as long as they're going to get. We're not going to get Patrick Mahomes 20 to one. I'm sorry, folks. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But if he ends up having a nice season, wins a really tough division and puts up the stats that we expect him to, throwing to a lot of different guys instead of just the main two guys that he has been in the past... Nine to one is going to feel pretty good come that ceremony right before the Super Bowl in February.
0: I love it. I love it. And my last question for you as we round out this week one NFL extravaganza Super Bowl picks, please, my friend. Mm -hmm. I thought there were two more questions coming. I thought there were three total questions. Um, In theory, (laughs) in theory, do you know what it was? Because as I was talking about it, I was like thinking, who's going to win the AFC? Who's going to win the NFC oh, and then the Super Bowl? But just asking one the Super Bowl pick, just combined <laughs> it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what happened. There. Well, okay. Good, so good, James... catch by you. good catch by you.
1: <laughs> so, same sort of deal, though, with the MVP, right? Where you go, all right, like, I get it. Tampa Bay, Buffalo, they're the favorites. You know, if you want to go to ESPN and get the Tampa Bay Buffalo Super Bowl pick, like go for it. Right. (laughs) Not what we do here, but fundamentally I've got two teams in each conference that I'm betting on that I think have a legitimate path for legitimate odds that could make this happen. And we've talked about them obviously, because we just talked about every single team. So the NFC, It's the Vikings and it's the Saints. Both teams can be had around 15 to 1, and their only, quote-unquote, hurdle, given the fact that they have two teams in their division that are not very good, and I don't expect to be very good, their only hurdle is pretty beatable teams in Tampa Bay and Green Bay that have taken a hit to their... Talent level, if you will, uh, whether it's offensive line injuries for Tampa or obviously Devonte Adams leaving, and by the way, not to go unmentioned, uh, right, Darius Smith going from the Packers to the Vikings, obviously a big time flip there from a talent standpoint. So those two teams just have to, again, get past those two uh, opponents in their division if they are if they are better than those two teams, probably means like a thirteen win season, and a thirteen win season could mean first seed in the NFC and at that point you have good value probably worth mentioning this is less about Super Bowl pick as it is who did make the Super Bowl because as you and I have talked about in the past what are you going to do if you make your if you get a Super Bowl bet in and then you get to the Super Bowl and your team is in that Super Bowl, you are going to talk yourself in to a dumb hedge, you are going to give back all of the equity that you earned from making that pick, you're going to give back a lot of the value that you earned for making that pick, especially if your team isn't favored in the Super Bowl, which again, if you're going for a middle to long shot here, your team probably isn't going to be favored to win the Super Bowl. So don't bet the Super Bowl, bet the AFC and NFC conference championships. So Saints and Vikings in the NFC. In the AFC, we haven't talked a ton about this team because I was glowing about the Houston Texans in week one, but Mm -hmm. the Indianapolis Colts, they have as good a chance as any to get that number one seed in the AFC. Because if you look at the good teams in the AFC North, and you look at the good teams in the AFC West, and honestly, if you think the Dolphins are pretty good this year, and if you think Bill Belichick's doing things with the Patriots here, there's probably three really good teams in the AFC East, and they all may just cannibalize each other right yeah they all might just take wins off each other and they just might be a bunch of 10 win teams meanwhile you've got the colts just sauntering in with maybe a down titans team in that division and then the jags and the texans being okay but not great you would stack up some serious wins if you're the colts right and now all of a sudden the colts might be a 13 win team get that first seed in the afc which by the way they literally saw their division rival do last year in the titans again it's another situation Can the Colts replace the Titans? I think they can, in the same way that I think either the Vikings could replace the Packers and or the Saints could replace the Buccaneers, right? That's how you have to look at it. And then the last one is, and this one is a little bit of a a departure from the idea of can you get the one seed in the conference? The Baltimore Ravens right? So much happened last year, too much talent, too well coached for that team, who, by the way, like came so close to actually making the playoffs despite having their roster completely ravaged defensively from back to front, offensively from middle out. All of that was such a mess for the Ravens. They don't have to win the division even to be dangerous come the playoffs. If they are uh, great in the regular season and they get the first seed, that's awesome. But even if they have to go on the road or even if they're like the third seed or something along those lines, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. a team that I still think can travel, so to speak, in the playoffs. And we're getting a pretty good price on them there at double digits to win the AFC. So two on one side, two on the other, hopefully one of those two meet up. Maybe they, you know, all meet up in the second round and we're actually in a really, really good spot in the second round of the playoffs, but certainly, it would be really, really cool if they made it to the conference championship. Obviously, that means no one from the AFC West makes it. The Bucks don't make it. The Packers don't make it. But honestly, all of those teams are single digits to make it to the Super Bowl. And there's just no value there for me.
0: Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um Thanks again for coming through. This has been so much fun, and it just gets me super hyped up because we are at that time of the year where the NFL just takes over our lives for the next, I mean, all the way through February. So this will be fun to do each and every week. We will get the pods out on Thursdays. Uh, That is what we will do each and every Thursday. You can catch this pod as we will go through and make picks, and Matt will talk me out of picks. (laughs) <laughs> That's how we'll go. So when the picks are bad, don't yell at Matt. Yell at me. Okay. That's <laughs> worse If with. if. The <laughs> <laughs> um. But to get the really good info, because you know there's there's some legitimate info that you can get here uh, from Matt, who uh, by trade is writing about all the bets that you should be making and making us all a whole lot of money. Mr. Russell, where can the people find you?
1: Yeah. Can I do two quick shout outs first before we do the, do the plug at the end of the show? I want to do a couple of shout outs here. Shout out. Number one is to DRF. Uh, we didn't, we haven't mentioned them as far as, you know, being on this podcast, but like if you're listening to this, you probably heard us on the DRF podcast. And if you started from day one on the DRF podcast, uh, you probably listened to us, you know, back on this, uh, on this (laughs) channel, on my channel, the window, but Mm -hmm. shout out to them for giving, a. uh, giving us a platform for a year, 87, 89, 90 some odd episodes or whatever that we did with them. Uh, great group over there. Um, you know, they obviously have gone a different route as far as like being Iowa-centric. Uh, so best of luck to them going forward. Uh, neither Shell nor I live in Iowa or know that much about Iowa sports. Um, so, um, you know, we move on and and whatnot. But the other shout is obviously to the people listening to this because. There's a decent chance outside of the fact that like, and I said this to you, you, uh, when we talked recently, if we didn't do this podcast, it probably meant that we didn't get to talk about the NFL for an hour each week with each other, mm-hmm. just cause the way, you know, life works and, and that sort of thing. Like we probably do calls every couple of weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like, he, you know, you and I are like, yeah, let's just do this, do the podcast. But we also did it because, like, we got messages on, you know, DMs and stuff and, and tweets and stuff being like, "Yo, what's going on with the podcast? Are you guys doing a podcast and whatever? I don't know. You know, we might have let it go by the wayside if we didn't get those messages. And so mm-hmm. in turn, this is also sort of a, you know, mention to people like, you know, the popularity, so to speak, of the podcast wasn't anything. We wouldn't do the show. So we need yeah. your help as well. To like make it more popular, because obviously like the more popular it gets, the more episodes that we would want to do. And part of the reason why we did two weeks of e- or two day uh, excuse me two episodes per week for DRF is because, we were contracted to like we're going to do one a week this week or this year because we're not contracted to. But if we had a sponsor, if we had something along those lines then we would do more podcasts. So just worth mentioning, like shout out to the people who listen to the show, shout out to the people who are willing to tweet publicly about this show and to us and ask us questions and all of that sort of thing, because that's what brings us back to do it. And that's what spreads the word, so to speak and spreading the word helps the show survive and you know keep us bringing you hopefully what's been entertaining and hopefully uh, you know intellectually stimulating when it comes to sports betting along the way so all of that thanks to everybody out there for that wanted to get that out there because i know people sort of wondering about you know all of that stuff uh, as for my stuff, you know, if you don't know by now, at Emrose Authentic on Twitter and the Score app, you know, I've moved into more of a lead analyst role when it comes to the uh, sports betting section. Uh, Set your alerts come through the bet section uh, on the score. You don't have to live in Canada You don't have to live in Ontario to get access to all of the stuff that I write You can take that stuff to your book that you or books that you use on a regular basis Uh, So that everything I write over there gets retweeted through at emrus authentic But of course you can follow the score bet as well and set your alerts in your score app for betting news. And that'll help you get stuff uh, immediately when it comes out so that you can grab stuff before the lines move. Because uh, you know, one thing that we are really good at doing is noting closing line value or, or line value before it closes, so to speak. So uh, all that's available over at the score.
0: Yes, I mean, this is pretty huge too. I think that it's just, Another good sign that we're able to do this again for another year and have a whole lot more fun discussing the NFL and everything else that you know we we love to do here. So we will be back next week for sure to discuss more and more and more NFL football because you know it's just that time of year. It's what we do. So I like to thank you guys and thank Matt for coming through again on this, the on blast podcast that wraps up week one of what we do here. And we will be back again next week. Until next time, I don't remember how I used to end this podcast when it used to be on this feed because I know that there was a thing that I used to say at the end of the DRF one and then there's something else that I used to say when it was the end of the Oblast pod. Times like this to rhyme like this. this, Yes, I like it. Whoa, yes, thank you for that. Yeah, it's been that long since. You know why? It's because the only ones I still do on this feed has been the You Killed It pod for a while. And that has its own ending. But yes, the On Blast podcast. used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast podcast. Yes, NFL. Week one, NFL picks. Part of the On Blast podcast network. Until next time, see ya.